0: lecture is taken from the graduate course, Introduction to Charitable Planning at Texas Tech University. To download the PowerPoint slides for this lecture, or to take the online quiz for this lecture, or to find out more about the graduate certificate in charitable financial planning at Texas Tech University, go to encouragegenerosity.com. Uh, the uh, charitable deductions and timing of charitable deductions, and this also deals somewhat with the definition of, uh, of a charitable gift so we're going to take a look at when you can take a charitable deduction and what are the requirements of a charitable gift so to start out with basics basic concept of a completed gift is three parts you've got a donor that delivers money or property to a charity or agent of the charity when those things happen then we have a completed gift Okay, delivering money or property to a charity or agent of the charity so straightforward simple once that uh, once that happens, once the coins hit the bucket there, then we have a charitable gift, a completed gift at that time. But if, of course, things get a bit more complicated, so we have to deal with more complicated circumstances. What if we have a situation where a person promises to deliver money or property in the future? Okay. Is that a charitable gift? And The answer is not yet. It's not a completed gift until it's actually given. It doesn't matter if this promise is enforceable. It doesn't matter if this promise is a, is a contract. Uh, until the donor actually uh, delivers the, uh, the uh, gift, uh, then it's not a completed gift. So we can't count it. It hasn't happened yet. Right? What about this situation? Suppose a donor gives money uh, or property to the donor's agent with instructions to go and deliver this to the charity. That's not yet a gift either. It's not a completed gift until it's delivered to the charity or to the charity's agent. Okay, so just giving somebody or some organization or some company money with instructions to then give it to uh, the, uh, the charitable organization, not yet a gift. It will be as soon as it gets to the charity or agent of the charity, but this person here is an agent of the donor. So it doesn't count until it gets to the charity or an agent uh, of, of the charity. And by agent, what we mean is somebody who represents the charity. So if I give it to somebody who represents me, it's not a completed gift until that uh, organization or individual gives it to either the charity or someone who represents the charity. Okay. Uh, what about this? Uh, and, of course, we've talked a lot about this. What if the donor <coughs> delivers money or property with retained interests? Well, unless it falls into one of the exceptions that we've uh, spent a lot of time talking about, the ultimate result is it's not a completed gift until you give those retained interests away as well. So if we have a hook in the money, uh, then we're not going to consider that a completed gift until the hook is taken out. Now, of course, we know and just had the quiz on uh, the partial interest exceptions where uh, there are cases where you're allowed to do that, but the general rule is that is not a completed gift if you hang on to a retained interest until you give that retained interest over to the charity and they essentially get everything. Okay. What other problems can we come up with uh, in, terms of, uh, in terms of when the charitable gift takes place? Well, some things actually aren't charitable gifts. If we have a situation where a donor... Delivers money or property to a charity, but it's for an individual person. It's not for the charity's general use, but it is for one particular person and it's to benefit one particular person. That, it turns out, is not a charitable gift. That in order to be a charitable gift, we have to be supporting uh, at minimum a group of people or a class of people. We can't give money to a charitable organization for one specific individual. If you give to one specific individual, that's fine, but it's not a charitable uh, deduction. Uh, if it's for an individual person, we don't get a charitable deduction for that. Okay.
1: Has All that right. always been, I'm just thinking about the number of gifts that I've seen through churches, like for specific individuals going on mission trips or whatever. Mm-hmm. Has that always been-
0: well the uh um, you know th- there's a there hasn't been a change in uh in the law or in 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 policy um, You can have a circumstance where uh s- someone is uh, raising funds that you're going to give to the church and everybody knows the church is going to wind up spending it on that individual uh, or or for those purposes. A couple of things um, have to be in place there. One is that the church, or whatever nonprofit organization, has to um, has to administer some sort form of oversight. In other words, if uh, let's say you have a a missionary that you write a check to a church and it says it goes goes to this missionary, okay. It's the idea that if the church decided it didn't it no longer wanted to support that, that missionary. The money still belongs to the church. It's the idea that there is, um, uh, that, that, uh, that there's got to be that oversight, there's got to be that, uh, that uh, discretion. Um, but the, the general concept is if, this is if this gift, if I'm identifying it to benefit one particular person, it, it technically doesn't count as a charitable gift. Um, I mean, so, so again, if the checks are just written out to the church with something in the memo, you know, that, that's probably not going to come out. Um, but, the, but sort of the, the bottom line result is, I mean, the, the actual rule is, if this gift is going for a particular person rather than a class of people, um, if, you, if you designate it that, that finally then, it's, um, then it's, it's no longer charitable, yeah. then it's a transfer to an individual. So you've got to transfer to a charity rather than transferring to uh, to an individual um, uh, for, for those purposes. So, so sometimes you know it is one of those things where I understand what you're saying that I, and I know how things are done,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and so there's a there's a difference here between uh, the, uh, the the documents that are kept and, and, and those that aren't. And you know you get organizations like sometimes uh, uh, you have uh, you know people trying to raise money for a school trip or something and. You know, sometimes you'll get a situation where they will want to make sure to follow the rules, so they just take all the money that's raised and divide it among everybody. I mean, that's uh, that's technically charitable. Whereas, you know, if you say, well, just it just goes to the one person that you have uh, have designated. So, uh, so yeah, that 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 is the rule. Even if it uh, the, if the documentation is not there to prove that that was done, then you know that's a different situation. Okay, so let's um, uh, let's talk about. Uh, uh, when is this a uh, a completed gift? And let me see if I can play with this. Um, where's my little thing here? All right. And what if I do that? Does it go away? No, it doesn't go away. Okay. And we do this. And let me stop that. All right. So uh, let's vote here. When is this a completed <coughs> gift? Click in the number 1 if you think it is on day 1. Day one is when I put a cash gift, so I'm putting cash in an envelope here, addressed to the charity in the U.S. mail. Day two, the cash arrives safely at the charity. Which, on which of these two days was the charitable gift uh, completed? Okay, click in. It looks like we've got everybody stop, and let's see what people think. And nine out of ten, nine out of ten graduate students in this class believe that, uh, the, uh, that when you put a cash gift addressed to the charity in the mail, that it is, they go away, and that didn't help. Oh, yeah, here we go. All right, so what is the answer? Uh, the answer is 9 out of 10. We're correct. Why? Well, let's go back to our first slide. Completed gift is when the donor delivers money or property. We've got money here, cash in an envelope, to a charity or agent of the charity. Now, it turns out that the post office is treated as the charity's agent. Uh, it goes back to a concept called the post office rule, which is as soon as you ha- put something, as soon as something's in the U.S. post office, it's, it is, uh, in terms of a contract, it's considered to have been delivered. And we do that by making the U.S. post office the agent of the charity. So that because the post office is treated as the chari- charity's agent, once that gift gets to the post office, once it's picked up by the uh, mail carrier, then it is a completed gift. Okay? That's the rule, and that's the reason for the rule. It fits into the original concept that it's got to go to the charity or charity's agent. Okay? So the answer is day one, I put a cash gift addressed to the charity in the mail. Yeah. What if the gift
2: never makes it to the church?
0: Well, if the gift never makes it to the church, it's still a completed gift. You may just have an issue of proof. Uh, you know and how do you prove in the event of an audit that this actually happened? If you can prove it, uh, it has been delivered to the agent uh, of the charity, and from that point on it 's not your problem uh, all right so let's uh, let 's play with the software again, uh, okay, this and this, do that and that, and back to this. all right. So again, question is, no, it's not going to let me move in. Oh yeah, okay, there we go. You don't need to look at her, I guess. All right. Uh, so when is the gift completed, is the question. There, there we go. That's much more aesthetically appealing. Okay, so when is the gift completed? Day one, I write a check to a charity. Day two, I put the check in the post office mailbox. Day three, the charity receives the check. Day four the charity deposits the check. Day five, the charity's bank receives the funds and the charity is credited with the funds. So click in one, two, three, four, or five, depending on what day you think the gift is completed. And it looks like everybody has an opinion now, so we'll see. Stop. And it looks like everybody likes answer two. One person likes answer three. Nobody liked any of the other answers. Okay, and so the answer is, nope, don't want to do that. Don't know what I'm doing here. All right, back to that. Okay, so the answer is, uh, in fact, that uh, yes, day two uh, is the correct day. I put the check in the post office mailbox. Why? Why is it day two? Let's go back to the original slide. A gift is made when the donor delivers money or property. The idea is that a valid check is itself a valuable negotiable instrument. It's the idea that I can take this check and I can, you know, I can, I can sign it over to somebody else. That, it ha- that a valid check has value in and of itself. And so because of that, it's the idea that this thing is already valuable. It do- we don't have to wait for it to be processed through the bank. A valid check is valuable we can transfer it to somebody else. We could sell it to somebody else. We can you know, do different things with it. And so because of that, it's going to be considered valuable property right now, a valuable negotiable instrument. And so once that valuable negotiable instrument hits the mail, it's delivered to the charity's agent, and we immediately have a completed gift. Okay. So that's uh, how we uh, work with checks. Uh, even though they may take some time to clear, we don't really care about that. Because if it's a valid check, it's a valuable uh, item of, uh, of property, a valuable negotiable instrument. Okay? So the answer, again, is two. The gift is completed when I put the check in the post office mailbox. right? So we've been talking about these sort of picky things. Who really cares? What's the big deal? Why do we care whether the gift is completed on uh, the day, you know, day one or day four or whatever the case may be? Well, there are cases where we might care a lot about what day uh, in this process the gift is completed. Uh, for example, the deduction might come a whole year sooner. If, for example, here I write a check to the charity, I put the check in the post office mailbox on December 31st, charity doesn't receive the te- check till January 3rd and doesn't receive the money in the bank till January 5th. The idea that December 31st is the day that the gift was completed is important because I can deduct it in that year. I don't have to wait for the next tax year to deduct it. So it could be a big deal there. Um, in a more extreme circumstance it could be a big deal because of uh, what might happen if the person dies in the meantime. Right? It could be on a different kind of a tax return if they put the check in the post office mailbox on December 24th then on December 25th they die well, the fact that this gift is com- has been completed already uh, means that uh, this, is not a, uh, th- this is not something we have to worry about on the, uh, the uh, last uh, 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 on, on, a, on a tax return um, uh, dealing with uh, uh, what happens after somebody dies, and so it can, it can have an effect there. So there are circumstances where the day makes a, makes a difference, and, and so we do want to know what day the gift is completed on alright okay let's let's try this scenario uh, and again let's uh, see if we can log back into this and by the way if you're just coming in make sure to uh, go ahead and get your clickers out and uh, you just click the go or channel button depending on which one you have then zero one and then click in the go or channel button again uh, and, uh, and you should be able to uh, to log on there alright Oops, that's not what I want. Okay, so let me move this over here. All right, so here's the next question. What if we're dealing with a situation where the check bounces? Okay, if the check bounces, and again for this just type in one, if you like the first response, two, three, four, or five. What day uh, do we uh, count this as a, uh, as a uh, completed uh, gift uh, or, I suppose, if you think none of these days, then just click in one, two, three, four, five, six. Just click in six if you don't like any of these days, if you think it's some other day. Uh, what if the check bounces? On what day do I get to deduct? When I write a check to the charity, when I put the check in the post office mailbox, when the charity receives the check, when the charity deposits the check, the charity's bank receives notice of insufficient funds. Uh, what day is it? Or if you don't like any of those days, just click on the, the number 6. Let's see what folks think. And it looks like slight majority likes answer number 6, uh, but uh, some people still like answer number 2. So, uh, so let's talk about that for a little bit. Answer num- uh, number 2 would be as soon as I put the check in the post office mailbox. Now let's think about the theory as to why we used to use that date. We use that date based upon the idea that a check a a valid check is in and of itself a valuable piece of property. And because it is a valuable piece of property, valuable negotiable instrument, as soon as it's delivered to the agent of the charity, then it's a completed gift. Okay. So that would be answer two would be correct, if that was a valuable piece of property. But because an insufficient funds check has no value, it is not a valuable piece of property, then this transaction never involves uh, money or valuable property. And because it never involves money or valuable property, there's no gift. There is nothing valuable that has been given. Uh, So it's a little bit kind of... uh, 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 splitting hairs there in, in the concept, but the idea is that if the check wasn't valid, it was never a valuable uh, item of property. If it wasn't a valuable item of property, then, then we've got no, we've got no uh, transfer here, agent or otherwise. So because of that, um, we have a situation where the answer is no gift. Uh, none of those dates count, none of those dates matter, because this transaction never involved a valuable piece of property. All right, uh, let's take another example. What about a post dated check? And uh, again, let me uh, make this come alive and then that come alive and then move that. Let me stop that. Move this over here and make that come back. There. All right, now, uh, again, if you, uh, if you like one of the dates, uh, just put in number one, number two, number three, four, five, six, or just put in uh, seven if you think none of the dates apply. Okay. What about a post-dated check? Here is our uh, series of events. December 25th, I write a check to a charity dated January 1st. Okay, so it's post-dated. I put the check in the post office mailbox. On December 31st, the charity receives the check, <coughs> On January 1st, nothing happens. On January 2nd, the charity deposits the check. And then on January 3rd, the charity's bank receives the funds and the charity is credited with the funds. On which of these days, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, or 6, do we have a completed gift? Or type in 7 if you think there is no gift here. Again, this is post-dated check. All right. Let's see what folks think. And the most popular answer is, Now well, we've got some nice dispersion here. Looks like answer four is the most popular just slightly. Some people like answer two. Some people like answer six or seven. So let's see. Four was the most popular. Some people liked two. And uh, some people like six or no gift at All right. Uh, let me do this with that, see if that helps any. Uh, okay, so let's talk about this. If I write a post-dated check, post-dated check says on this date, you can deliver this for, uh, you can demand this money from my bank, essentially. Post-dated check, because it is saying at a point in the future, this becomes a valuable item of property. At a point in the future, you can use this to demand on my bank this money. It is in fact a promise to deliver uh, something valuable in the future. A post-dated check is a promise to pay money in the future because you can't take a post-dated check, take it into a bank and cash it before the date on the check. Okay, So because it is a promise to pay money in the future, we treat it like any other promise to deliver money or property in the future and we say it's not completed until it is actually given, until that promise actually Uh, actually occurs. So when we take a look at our list of dates, I wrote a check to a charity dated January 1st. January 1st nothing happens, however on that date the check becomes a uh, a valid negotiable instrument. The check now has value on January 1st whereas before January 1st it was simply a promise to pay something in the future. And because it was a promise, we don't count it as a gift until there's actually delivery of something valuable. And that takes place on January 1st here.
2: Okay. So, so January 1st is the answer. So January
0: 1st is the answer.
2: What would have happened if it was... Uh, what would have happened if I postdated it for, let's say, January 5th? Right. And uh, so I guess the same thing would be if they... Received it on the third, mm-hmm. and still
0: be valid on the fifth. Yes, correct. Or, well, they
2: just, I guess, or yeah. if the opposite, I I had a post dated for the third. Yes. but they don't receive it till the fifth.
0: Well, we don't really care when they receive it; we care when their agent receives it, uh, and and the post office counts as their agent. So, uh, if I post dated it on the third, and it was uh, it was, uh, let's say I, I mailed it on the second, it's post dated for the third. They receive it on the fifth. It's still the third when it becomes a completed gift because on the third it becomes valuable property and their agent, post office, is holding it. And so at that point, it's a completed gift. So uh, so you have to have those two things. It has to be delivered to them or their agent and the post office is their agent and it has to be valuable property, not just a promise to pay. Okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so let's do some more interesting things. Uh, what about a credit card gift? And uh, let's uh, okay, get that going. Uh, well, three options here, uh, option one, two, and three. Uh, on December 31st, I make a donation by credit card, and the charity is, is credited with the funds. On January 20th, I receive a credit card statement noting the donation. And on January 30th, I pay my credit card bill in full on which of these dates, one, two, or three, or if you think there's no gift here, just click in four, on which of these dates did the, uh, was the gift completed? And let's see what the most popular option is. Oh, there we go. You all get this one. Uh, boy, it would stink if everybody was wrong, but you're not. Uh, so this is pretty straightforward. Uh, the idea here is that um, it doesn't matter how I got it in the first place. Um, well, you know, if it was uh, a uh, stolen property, then it wouldn't actually be valuable property being delivered because the original owner has the right to get it back. But, uh, you know, regardless of whether I earned it or I borrowed it, I got it by gift, doesn't matter. I'm delivering money or property to the charity. Uh, and so because of that, uh, it, is, uh, it is valid as soon as the charity or the charity's agent receives it. So um, you all got that figured out, which is December 31st. Uh, okay, let's try uh, another circumstance here. Make this wake up. Do that. Uh, no, do that. Sorry. All right. Okay, back to this. Uh, all right, so we have six different options, or hit option seven if you think there's no gift. It takes place here. Day one, I earned $20 in rebates from my credit card company. Day two, I click online to donate those rebates to a charity. Day nine, the credit card company mails a check to the charity. Day 10, the charity receives a check from the credit card company. Day 11, the charity deposits the check. Day 12, the charity's bank receives the funds and the charity is credited with the funds. Which day was, or uh, uh, pick answer seven if you don't think there was a, a gift completed, which day was it completed on, and we think... Uh, well, answer three is most popular. Uh looks like a couple for answer two, one for answer six. So, uh, so let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, day three was the credit card company mails a check to the charity. And uh, we'll go back to one of our earlier slides here as, a, as an example. And what we've got happening here is this. A donor gives money or property to the donor's agent with instructions to deliver when I click I'm telling my credit card company my credit card company is my agent I'm telling I'm instructing my credit card company to give money the gift is not completed when I give money to my agent and say agent you go give that to the charity it's completed when uh, it's received by the charity or the charity's agent in this case it's received by the charity or the charity's agent when the credit card company mails a check to the charity. Assume, because the post office is going to be considered the agent for the recipient. Uh, the uh, the charity, charity's agent has, uh, has been considered to receive it. The reason it's not day two is that I have instructed my agent, I have instructed my credit card company to do something. But it's not a completed gift on the date that I tell them to do something. It's a completed gift On uh, on the day that uh, the credit card company actually uh, receives it, or the agent of the credit card company receives it. Okay, questions or thoughts about that one? A little bit trickier. All right. All right. What about this? What about a legally enforceable contract? Um, How do we want to deal with that? Put that there. Make that go away. Go away. Okay. Uh, Again, on the on December one and pick uh, one through six, depending on which day you think is the correct day, or seven if you think there's no charitable gift. I sign a legally enforceable contract, it's called a pledge, to give $100,000 to the charity on August 1st. December 5th, the charity books this asset in their general ledger. December 10th, the charity sells the rights to this pledge to an accounts receivable purchasing agency for $90,000. December 11th, the charity spends the $90,000. And then finally, on August 1st, fortunately, I pay the $100,000 pledge to the charity. On which day does this become a completed gift? Okay, let's see what the popular answer is here. And uh, most folks like, uh, let's see, we've got one, two, three, four, or five or six if it's not a completed gift. All right, looks like uh, majority likes answer five, but a lot of people like answer one. One person likes answer two. So majority like answer five. A lot of people like answer one, and uh, one person likes answer two. Okay. Well, let's go back to one of the original slides that deals with this issue. Remember that. Uh, the, uh, when a donor promises to deliver money or property in the future to a charity or agent, it is not a completed gift until it's actually given. So a legally enforceable contract, even one you can sell to an accounts receivable agency, a legally enforceable contract is still a promise to pay. And whether it is uh, enforceable or written or uh, verbal, it's just different forms, different levels of proof, but it's the same thing, it's a promise to pay. And when you have a promise to pay, it is not a completed gift until the promise is made good, until the, uh, the uh, $100,000 in this case is actually, uh, actually paid. Now here it's, yes? Okay. Now here you start to see a little bit of a distinction where we're treating checks differently. Right. We're treating that check as a valuable piece of property uh, because uh, it's, a, it's a negotiable instrument, and as soon as the charity receives it, uh, we're considering that to be valuable property. But a simple promise to pay, even in the form of a legally enforceable contract, is not a completed gift. Even if you can enforce it in a court of law, even if you can sell it to an accounts receivable agency, it's still just a promise. could you say the
2: check is basically the same thing the date that it's enforceable as the the date of the check. So if you write it with today's date on it, it's enforceable as of yes. today. Yes. Yes.
0: Kind of, yeah, you can think of it that way.
2: How often do people do this? This kind of gifting, where they would use a legal enforceable contract. Is it is oh. it very common?
0: Yeah, it's very common. I um, I would say um, probably well a lot. I I I don't know if a majority Re- of. That's Re-
2: uh, an example. Just a well, right okay.
1: to pay $6 million
0: okay. in a funding agreement. Okay, so, so then obviously they've got to be able to bank on that money coming in. so, so they can make, you know, And he paid it out over a period of time. Now, one of the things that, you know, that sometimes people don't think about, if you're just, you know, let's say you're a local organization uh, and they are trying to raise money for a building, and so they're trying to get pledges so they can raise money for a building and you sign up, say, I pledge, I'm going to give $1,000 a year over the next three years, and you turn that in. Most people don't think of those as legally enforceable contracts. They, in fact, are legally enforceable contracts. In fact, if you have to account for the, uh, for the charity, the charity winds up having to book those things uh, because they are uh, legally enforceable. Now, the reason sometimes people don't think of them that way is that oftentimes charities choose not to uh, enforce them to the full extent of the law, however they can. And and where this comes up most frequently is someone who um, says, yeah, I want to support this new building uh, 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 plan, and so I commit to give $10,000 a year every year for the next three years, turn it in, walk home, get hit by a truck. My heirs say, I don't, I don't like this organization, I don't want... That's when charities are more likely to enforce because they don't really care about the heirs who so don't like them anyway, uh, and the person who liked them is gone. Uh, and so in that case, if it's a significant enough amount, then, then charities are more likely to enforce it. But the pledge that you sign, turns out it is a legally enforceable contract, and uh, from the nonprofit side, you actually have to book that as an asset uh, that is uh, uh, that, that that is paid down one of the uh, the areas where this comes up for um, for uh, nonprofits is in when you count the gifting. There are times when a nonprofit will want to pull gifting forward and count it right now. Uh, this happens for example, if there 's a goal to hit, if there's a matching fund opportunity, uh, and so sometimes you 'll have charitable organizations that will go to existing donors and say, look, we need to be able to hit this target by this date, either to get a matching grant or to hit some goal or whatever the case may be. If you will go ahead and commit, just commit to keep giving at the level you've been giving for the last 20 years. But if you'll commit to do that for the next three years and sign this pledge card, we can book it today as, uh, as, as an asset. Uh, we can book it as a as revenue, that's, that's, uh, as a valuable asset that's, co- that's come in uh, uh, for our campaign. And so because those are legally enforceable contracts, you actually can book it that way. Actually, you have to book it that way, which is why some charities, if they don't want to book it that way, they'll have to use different language like this is an intention to give because if they use the word pledge, that's a contract, that's an asset today, it's booked today. And if you don't want to be booking it today, then you have to use different language to indicate that it's not an actual contract uh, or pledge, because a pledge is actually an enforceable contract. All right. Yeah. Is the
2: Warren Buffett, Ted Turner, and all the, the pledge that they're doing, is that a real pledge, or is
0: that just... So, um, so, so the question was, okay, with the, with the Warren Buffett and several billionaires pledging to give half uh, or more away, is that a, is that a real pledge? Um, just that in and of itself, saying I'm going to give half of my money away, is not a pledge because you're not saying who you're going to give it to. Okay? So there's nobody on the other side of the contract who could enforce that. Now, on the other hand, if somebody says, uh, or if they sign a pledge that says, you know, I'm, going to do, uh, I'm going to give X number of dollars uh, to a particular organization, then that's enforceable. Um, and, and, you know, as they sort of discussed this this uh, pledge and talked about it, they're recognizing, look, this isn't enforceable. This is just you coming out publicly and uh, so as not to embarrass yourself later, I guess, is the only sort of enforceability of it. Yeah. Um, it's been
2: a while since I had accounting, but, like, if they have it in their books as an asset, but they never get it, mm-hmm. they write it off as Yes, it's
0: yes, in- exactly. So it's a, It's the same thing as if I... Uh, bought something on credit from a company and never paid them. It's, it, you you have uh, write-offs each year. Okay. All right. Uh, all right, so let's do another one of these. And uh, let me wake this thing up here. Nope. Okay, there. Nope. Where is it? Come back. There we go. All right. I will eventually master this thing at whatever point that it's no longer personally useful to you. Okay, I give land worth $2 million to charity, and I retain a two-year option to repurchase the land for $500,000. How much can I deduct today? Can I deduct $0, $500,000, $1.5 million, $2 million, or only the rental value? So we just had a test on this. Uh, Most folks just had a test on this. It should be all ready to go. And what's the uh, answer that most people like? Most of us like? Everybody likes answer one. Brilliant. This is learning taking place here, folks. It's impressive. It's not a completed not completed until the retained interests are transferred, unless we're in the world of one of those exceptions we've just spent a lot of time dealing with. A donor delivers money or property with retained interest to a charity or agent of the charity, not completed until the retained interest are transferred. Okay. So what about that? Uh, so, so the answer is, there. Uh, well, everybody get the right answer. Uh, so what about that? What about uh, when all of the, uh, when the, uh, re- uh, no, I'm messing it all up. Okay, you just saw the answer there. All right, so don't, I'll use a clicker for this one. What about this one? I give land worth $2 million and retain a two-year option to repurchase for 500000 What happens after the option expires? How much can I deduct? And the answer is, Two million why two million? well, assuming the property still is, uh, has kept the same value so as not to add any complexity because at the point that the option expires i 've now given everything over okay i 'm not retaining any more interest at that point. so the gift took two years to complete, but it did eventually become a completed gift when my option expired, and the charity kept the whole thing, and so whatever the value of the land is, and we 'll just keep it here at a simple two million dollars all the way through. Then it becomes a completed gift, and then it's deductible. Okay.
2: So a person could give away a piece of. Uh, they can give away something, and then and then be able to purchase back at a it.
0: Sure, this is no gift. There's no deductible gift if you do that.
2: If they exercise the option.
0: If they exercise the option at the point that they exercise the option, then you can say, okay, well, this person is now giving cash to a charity. Okay. So then we could, you know, if so we could, then they get yeah, I think you could. So well, yeah, I think you could collapse the transaction there because you're paying the charity for a property right that you gave them. Uh, and so I think you could just, you could put it all together and say, well, essentially, you just took two years to give five hundred thousand dollars to the charity.
2: So did you- In mm-hmm. 2010, on my 2010 taxes, I could deduct that as long as I had enough income to to do that. If You, you
0: mean if you just gave it away? Yeah. Yeah, sure. But
2: with this repurchase right in there, this no. repurchase okay. option. Okay, no, no, that so true. that's the that's yeah.
0: the yeah. previous yeah. question. Yeah. If I give land worth $2 million with a repurchase option, how much can I deduct today? And the answer is zero. There's right. well, just, just yeah. no deduction for that. But now... After that option expires, if I no longer have a right to repurchase the land, that's when the gift is now completed, and now I can deduct. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Because I don't have any more rights. I'm not retaining so anything if at this point.
2: After it's gone, then, I can
0: then you can take the deduction because then you finally have finished your gift. Okay. okay. It's another exception we have here. We've got this idea that, okay, we don't like retained interests, but there is something we do allow donors to do. We allow donors to say, uh, to give some restrictions on the gift. We allow donors to say what specific charitable purpose they want it used for. And not only do we do that, but we allow donors to have this right, which is the right to get their money back if it's not used for that charitable purpose? Okay, it's called a restricted gift. So the donor in that case is retaining some rights, is retaining uh, an interest. But because the donor, uh, because if the charity doesn't doesn't use it for that specific charitable purpose, then the donor gets it back. Okay? That is always the risk of a restricted gift. If the charity chooses to accept a gift with restrictions on it, they have to use it for that because if they don't, the donor has a legal right, if they want to, to come back to the charity and say, give me my money back. Okay, That's the risk of a restricted gift. We allow that, and it is a deductible gift, uh, even though it's restricted. So, for example, uh, a donor gives money to a university and directs that the funds should be spent on... Uh, athletic scholarships or returned. Okay. Is that deductible? And the answer is yes, that's deductible. Uh, that kind of retained interest we're okay with because the donor is not retaining an interest for the purpose of getting it back himself. He's only retaining an interest for the purpose to make sure it's used for a specific charitable purpose. In other words, we want it used for this Area of the work, and not that area of of what work that the uh, nonprofit is doing. Now, if if they do,
2: if they don't hold good on that promise, Mm -hmm. does the IRS come back and, um, yeah, recapture?
0: No, no, no. Okay, so so the question is, well, what if you give the money to a charity for a specific purpose, and the charity never uses it for that purpose? Okay does that make your deduction invalid? And the answer is no. You still gave it to a charity for a charitable purpose. Now, at the point that you go and get the money back, then that's going to be income to you. Uh, so at whatever year you go and get, get the money back from the charity, so you got the deduction, but now you're getting money back, and so that's going to count as income at that point.
1: But would there be a penalty or anything associated with that? Like the, we yeah. talked about
0: recapturing with the 10%. Right. No, I don't think there's any penalty involved there because it was a legitimate gift uh, for a legitimate charitable purpose. The charity We allow that kind of restriction. The charity chose not to use it for that, and so at whatever point i go get that money back, then that's going to be income.
2: Yeah. So there was something that we had read about that if you gave it and you said, I wanted to go to something specific, there is some area where it's not deductible. What-
0: right. And
2: What's the distinction that separates this kind of thing from that other thing where it's not deductible?
0: Well, the distinction is uh, a couple of different things. One is if I restrict it to a person, then it's no longer charitable. Okay. Or if I restrict it to a use that personally benefits me, uh, something that I'm going to get economic benefit from, uh, then it may not be entirely charitable. Uh, I may have to deduct the value that's coming back to me. So
2: give to Texas Tech Athletics, but I couldn't give it to the Scott Smith Scholarship Fund.
0: Exactly. Yes. You got it.
2: And deduct
0: it. And deduct it. Yes.
2: So if you were in, in cahoots with a charitable organization, could you gift them for restricted purposes and then in the, sometime in the future receive that back as a sort of deferred income?
0: Hmm. Okay. So could Obviously
2: you... not something that I think is very ethical, but... Right, right. So can you gift to an
0: organization and then... Um, See if, if there would be value in that because I can deduct it today. Yeah, it
2: would lower your, your marginal tax rate. Right,
0: right. Yeah, you know, I think, that's, that, is, um, I think that is something that is, uh, that is theoretically possible. Uh, of course, if it smells bad, the IRS can collapse the whole transaction and say, well, this, this was fraudulent. They knew from the beginning that this was not going to be used, and so it wasn't a legitimate charitable gift because you knew Didn't that the charity was not going to use it. You knew you were going to get it back, so um, it's not a valid deduction, uh, and then you owe us interest and penalties from not paying the right tax at the beginning.
2: Yeah.
0: Okay, so what about the, the situation? We've got the donor gives money to a university and says to the university, these funds must be spent on a scholarship for... A particular student example we just had of a particular athlete for example turns out that is not deductible why because that's what we talked about here at at one of the beginning slides if a donor (coughs) delivers money or property to a charity that's for an individual person an individual person is not a charitable cause Uh, it's a person so if you deliver money directly to the person if you deliver money uh, with the restriction and it has to be used for that person, uh, it's giving money to a person, and that's not a charitable uh, purpose. Uh, even if the person is in need, even if the person is indigent, whatever, it's still a person, not a general charitable purpose, and it's not deductible. Okay. Um, however, you can restrict to a class of people. For example, if you want to say, uh, I give money to, uh, and, and this, this happens, uh, where people will set up a scholarship fund, and they say, I want this scholarship fund to support students coming from, for example, Loving County, Texas. I just like the name of the county, so i to pick that out. Uh, or it be returned. Can you do that? Yes, because that's a class, that's a group. People who might be coming to Texas Tech from that county uh, are a, a group that can be benefited from it. Uh, we don't know exactly who that might be. Uh, in, uh, at different times, uh, so it's going to a group, even if it might be a relatively small group, but it's still a group rather than designated for a particular person. Okay, So retained interest are allowed uh, if restricting use for a specific charitable purpose or, uh, or the funds come back. And so, yes, this is why this is allowed. It's limited to a class of people is acceptable, Limiting to a person is not. Alright, so, so this is a quote from a uh, uh, from a tax case. Uh, this was a, uh, a letter that accompanied a gift to university. Letter says, I am aware that a donation to a scholarship fund is only deductible if it is unspecified. However, if in your opinion and that of the authorities it could be applied to the advantage of a particular student's name, I think it would be constructive. So, the college, the university, gets this check with this note. The college applies the money to that student's account. Is that a charitable gift? No. Okay. No deduction is what the court says.
2: That, that individual distinction seems to be broadened to family, right? It's not like you can give it to a single family either. That doesn't...
0: Yeah, well. So the
2: McLean family's yeah, house burns yeah. down. It's the, the charity set up to help the McLean family who's lost their house.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm. Um, yep. you
2: because it's still individual people. Yeah. It's, it's this person and this person and this person. I,
0: I don't know at what point the it crosses gone. over. I can say one person doesn't work. mm-hmm uh, what's that Yeah okay what's that low income, low income. what's that, certain major. What's that? Certain, major. certain major yeah I, I want to give only to um, African-American uh, personal financial planning students at Texas Tech University who have a GPA over
1: 3.0 okay you can do that yeah. to do that and let's say it's a really big amount Mm -hmm. is to how to say no without offending meaning I can't give you a contribution receipt because it's based on one person and so there really is I mean if you're in a development position or ahead of a charity how you navigate this situation can be difficult. You would turn money down? You'd have to. According to this, I can't get them a contribution receipt. And so just the navigation in and out of how to deal with the donor is a difficult thing.
2: I think that's a separate class. (laughs) (laughs) That's
1: advanced charity.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: See, there's a separate issue as to at what what the uh, what the uh, nonprofit's responsibility is because in general the nonprofit isn't held to be you know giving tax advice uh, and so the question is okay if this nonprofit um, if they put the money on the student's account and issue a charitable receipt. Uh, is there liability for sort of bad tax advice from the nonprofit? And I've not seen anything suggesting that. Uh, that and typically, is that's probably why the blurb is at the bottom. Uh, consult your right
1: accountant or whatever. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, so I don't think there's liability in the nonprofit to sort of figure out in this particular case. Um, whether or not this is deductible, it's not. It's not the nonprofit that is normally, you know, unless they're sort of in cahoots to try to conceal information, um, the, then that's not really the particular uh, concern of the nonprofit because they're not claiming a deduction. If so that makes no sense.
1: Ethical responsibility to divulge what someone knows or doesn't know.
0: So, is there an affirmative responsibility if? You know it's being used for a particular individual not to issue a gift receipt. Receive this, well, you know, you have to look at your gift receipt. What does it say on it? Um, I would feel comfortable issuing a gift receipt that says that said, uh, you know, uh, restricted towards the account of, you know, person ABC, which of course is going to blow up their tax deduction because you put it right on there. Um, It's a good question, good question. As far as legal liability, I've not seen cases where this would generate liability for the university if they issued a gift receipt for it. But obviously you're going to want to have informed donors, and it would be unfortunate for the donor not to realize that it's not a charitable deduction. Um, Now, whether or not you give a gift receipt or not, I don't think it's going to generate legal liability, but the donor probably ought to know. By the way, th- this was just uh, u- uh, the univer- generic university picture uh, from, uh, from PowerPoint. Anybody know what university this is? Anybody recognize it? University of Virginia. No. Uh, no, have spoken uh, I've spoken at this university different times. Um, last time was for uh, research on um, charitable giving, age and charitable giving. Virginia,
2: Virginia, Tech. Virginia Tech. Virginia no. Tech. Oxford University of it said it was. It's States. not
0: in the United States. No. No. This is uh, this is in Ireland. This is Trinity College, Trinity College Dublin, which is kind of the big university in Ireland. So it's it's yeah. Anyway.
2: Are you going to the charitable planning uh, speaker next week
0: or No, I don't know about that. What's that?
2: There, there's one of the sessions is for charitable planning at, at FPA. Oh, at
0: FPA, oh, I'm sure I will. I, I mean, I don't even look at the book till I get there, but anything charitable, I'll go to. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right, I, thought of you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. OK, so this brings up this brings up something a, a an unrelated issue, and let me see um, let me finish this let me finish this set of slides i 'll talk about the unrelated issue, and then we'll, then we 'll take a break. Uh, okay, so we 're almost done. Of course we 've got to have a special exception, uh, and once again, as we 've run into before. This is a special exception for uh, gifts for C corporations. And what is the special exception? Special exception, and again, this is just for C corporations. That means traditional corporations, not partnerships or small, uh, small corporations, uh, subchapter S corporations, but traditional regular C corporations. This is the exception to the timing rule. A C corporation that uses accrual accounting, okay, they get a special rule that says they can deduct contributions made within two and a half months after the end of the tax year if the board had authorized the giving during the tax year. Now, what in the world is this all about? How come they get this special exception? Well, it's because accrual accounting is really confusing, it's really hard, and it takes a long time, and it's not like cash basis accounting where you know how much money you had coming in the door by January 31st. It takes a long time to figure out exactly what your income was and why is that a big deal for C-corporations, because if you remember all the way back to income limitations, they can only give away 10% of their net income, can't give away any more than 10%. So there was a problem where corporations that wanted to give up to the limit, the 10% limit, um, couldn't because they couldn't figure out what their net income was in time to give the money away. So a special exception that said, okay guys, if you commit to giving, say a certain percentage, okay, before the end of the year, we'll let you have two and a half months to figure out what in the world your income was and as long as you make that transfer within two and a half months after the end of the tax year, we'll give you a, a special credit for that. Okay. All right. So special exception. Now, let me talk about the situation that's 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 coming up.